You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 11, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 155 and X-Men number 98 from January 1978. Welcome to the 11th episode of Crusader Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christados. Crusader Chronicles is a spin-off podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. Sometimes I will be joined by fellow podcasters and friends, or sometimes it just may be me alone. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection. Joining me this episode are Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Pat, it's a prescription for danger. Woo! Guess what I got in front of me, Pat? I'll tell you what. We'll introduce everybody okay. else and I'll tell you what I Sounds got in good. front of me. Let's have a look forward to people. Mystery. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> hey. Yay! I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. And also joining us this episode is his brother, Jason Albrick, Weasel Skull. Well, what I was going to say, when Pat puts out the call, it's time for Weasel Skull. <laughs> <laughs> eh, close. <laughs> uh, next then we have uh, Delvin Williams, The Dark Web. I've got to find something clever to rhyme with web, you know, and, and say it, even though call and skull doesn't really rhyme in the Eminem verse like I'm Delvin Webb or I'm Delvin the dark web it's all in your head give us a rhyme no that's lame I don't I don't like that that's stupid <laughs> feel the flow feel the ebb it's time for dark web <laughs> all around the globe it's death globe it's the only globe and probe are the only things that rhyme <laughs> all right well yeah, I tried to help you out Delvin and you just I'm sorry, it was terrible. Face. I did it like back it. in your face. It, it it was awful, and I felt sad for no, you. No, don't feel sad. I, I knew what I knew what I was getting. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. And also joining us this go around is Huey from the Blast It or Stash It YouTube channel. I'm still trying to figure out how I got here. <laughs> uh, I, I know somebody that knows the dark. Well, how do I so get out? <laughs> we can take. It, it, There's it, no it, getting out, Huey. It, it was no a burlap sack. Um, some chloroform, a couple of ice cubes, a donkey, <laughs> a dartboard. Uh, oh, you sorry. forget about the midget. Oh, yeah. Got the midget. Oh, you got and the extra. Well, you got welcome, the, welcome to the crew. Level up way of getting here. <laughs> well, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us. Thank um, you for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your Blasted and Stash It? Uh, so, yeah, it's a YouTube channel that we do live every Friday night. We get books for the week. We end up reviewing them. The main concept was we, we had a, um, a veteran that was originally in our group, and he was going to go out to the range and actually shoot the books that we didn't like <laughs> you know, or copies of the book. We didn't actually want to harm any books. But we just kind of uh, dropped that concept, and now it's just blast it or stash it. Either we, we blast it saying it's garbage, or we stash it and we put it in our long box. It's every Friday night on YouTube. It's definitely a great show, folks. Go ahead and take a listen to it or watch it, as I try to do when I can. And have been enjoying watching or watching the at least the repeats on the channel 
when I can get to it. Thank you for joining us again. Really a pleasure to have you here. He's not all, he's a fan and now you made it on the show. I did. I, I'm a disgruntled oh. fan, but I'm a fan. <laughs> I think all of our fans are disgruntled fans. <laughs> yeah, I think that pretty much sums up Do we need fans. to have an intervention <laughs> between you and Jason? Because it's probably against Jason. That makes you just... <laughs> it's, it, it'll... I'll get over it. I, I don't hold okay. on to grudges. <laughs> well, hopefully Jason can make up for whatever thing he's done wrong. Weasel skull don't change. Uh, well, Jared, let's get back to what you have as a surprise for us. Now hear this, y'all. We finally, not too long ago, well, it was a while ago, because it, it's it's we've been doing a lot of projects with the 12 Days of Crusademus and whatnot, but we, we before we started doing all that, finally got our first recipe. Ooh. We've been asking for recipes since I joined the show over a year ago, and someone finally emailed in a recipe to the show. And I'm going to pause did, here. Did so you, you think, can... Mom? <laughs> <laughs> Thank I'm going to pause here so Pat can put in some of that, like, hallelujah kind of music, you know, big, grand. One of our uh, one of our our good friends, friend of the show, Aaron Head Moss, who runs the GI Joe Real American Headcast and the, the Starman and a bunch of other casts over on the Head Network, uh, he sent in his recipe for what he calls chicken gumbo. Even though it's not really a gumbo, it's more like of a, a topper for biscuits or rice. I cooked it up as promised. Have it right here. I have sampled it, but as promised, I will sample on air. And I got to tell you guys, this is fan. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's got a mushrooms. It's got a, a chicken or you can do it with turkey. Uh, makes it makes it's basically like a turkey gravy with mushrooms. Again, you could put it over. He suggests putting over Grand's biscuits. Uh, I put it over uh, a little bit of rice that my wife made. Can't go wrong. So I got to I, I want to ask, though. So in the spirit of our show, mm -hmm. one through five stars. Oh man! Is, this it, is, is a, it going in your recipe box? Is oh, it, you know, I like where you're at. I like where you're at. It's going in the recipe box. Yeah, I think this will become a regular at the Albrick household. Uh, so I'm going to give it. Uh, I'm going to give it five is stars. It, Good job, Aaron. Moss. tried it in the household. No, I don't okay. share with them. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, that's how you know it's really five stars. <laughs> He's not sharing with his kids. <laughs> no, I made it. I made it not too long before we were on air, so the kids oh. were already in bed. Oh, very good. It's a pretty it's a pretty easy make too. I will have to pull that recipe out and uh, give that a try myself. It sounds good. Aaron Moss's chicken gumbo that's not really gumbo, which he he told me that in the recipe. Not technically gumbo, but it's good. Well, thank you very much Aaron for making that call to us and and sending that recipe and we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, finally, finally got, got one, boys. Crusader history. That's what it is. <laughs> now, what I'm deeply hoping is that, like, the, the lady in San Antonio who made her own egg rolls calls in and does a recipe. <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like Delvin's turn to make it. <laughs> <laughs> in lieu of those egg rolls, I just decided instead to go to a Chinese restaurant and get egg rolls. That. Let's not no, get let's there. Ahead. Let's not go down that path before. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, well done, Aaron. This is an excellent recipe. Again, you know, I invite any of our listeners who have a recipe, something they love, let us know. And uh, true to form, I will make it and eat it on the show. And we'll see if he pukes or he doesn't puke. <laughs>
And get a rating. Yeah, so far so good on this one. Great. I thought strychnine was an odd ingredient, but it tastes good. Hopefully you're sitting somewhere comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Well, with that, I think before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Hey there, everyone. It's your old buddy, Head. You know, Aaron Moss, over at the Head Speaks Podcast. I'm still here, and so is my podcast. Starting in November, and for however many months it takes, we're going to put the Adam aside for a little while, and we're going to look at DC Comics Armageddon 2001 crossover. Join me and some of my other podcasting and internet friends as we take a look at, well, Armageddon 2001. Hero today becomes a villain tomorrow. Join us and find out who. On the Headcast Network, Armageddon 2001, along with a lot of my usual segments. Come check us out. Available at head.headspeaks.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts at. Come check us out. Welcome back from the break. The first issue for this episode is Amazing Spider-Man number 155. Published by Marvel, got a cover date of April 1976, with an on-sale date of January 13th, 1976. Cover price was only 25 cents. Editor is Len Wein. Writer is Len Wein as well. Penciler is Sal Buscema. Inker, Mike Espadito. Um, I'm... <laughs> Espedito. I, you know, I know how to say it. <laughs> it never fails. <laughs> it's still funny. I've heard it a, a dozen, a two thousand times. It's still funny. And I do it for you. Everything I do, Delvin. <laughs> you do, do it so well. well. You do it so well. <laughs> Look into your heart. Look into your heart. I knew we were going there. Are we starting <laughs> singing already? <laughs> You're not even, you didn't even get the room. Credits, I know, that's how much you moved me. <laughs> Look into my eyes. You will see what you mean to me. Search your soul. <laughs> When you find me there, you'll search no more. Don't tell me I'm not worth trying for. Okay, we're doing. <laughs> I don't know the word. Sorry. <laughs> He's lying. I know the song, but I don't know the words. <laughs> All right. All right. So we are doing. Uh, oh yeah, Esposito. Uh, letter is Irving. Watanabe. Did they say that one right? That's a new one. Mm, sure. Yes. Yeah, I have the comic. Just says Irving yep. W. I got yeah. it. Probably Watanabe. Watanabe. Maybe. I'm just so guessing. If I'm wrong, somebody let me know. Colorist is Glennis Ween. And on the cover, we have cover art by John Romita. 
So speaking of the cover, Jared, give us a lowdown on it. This is a lot going on cover here. We've got uh, essentially it's a big web and the web splits the cover into five different action packed panels. Starting from the about 12 o'clock position, we got Spider-Man dodging a bullet as the cops shoot at him. Uh, Then you have Spider-Man fighting three looks like random thugs. One of them's got a pipe wrench. That's always fun to say. And then at the six o'clock position, you've got Spider-Man dodging a bunch of lasers. And then over near your 8.30 p.m.-ish section, you've got Spider-Man about to be crushed by a, a crate. A guy's pushing a crate down to crush him. And then wrapping it up in the top left corner, you've got a pair of metal hands strangling Spider-Man. So it's like Spider-Man in all these different dangerous situations that are that are cordoned off by this web. And in the very center, it says, who is the most incredible killer of all? And it says that over a blank white face so it's like a it's a mystery and that's further explained to us with a a blurb at the bottom that says follow spider-man through a web of deception and death as he struggles to discover who done it and it's got the classic yeah right it's got the classic spider-man logo at the top dangling from the webs that we have all agreed that we love so much the little tiny little spider-man standing there icon still only 25 cents and that's about that boys awesome delvin what are your thoughts on this my thoughts are there's no way <laughs> unless you're all the time all the way am i supposed to be reading the synopsis no your thoughts on the cover oh the cover oh <laughs> You got lost in your own joke. <laughs> What's a Stay script? on target. Stay on target. <laughs> I thought it was a good cover. You know, we did that uh, a contest of the best cover between uh, the Amazing Spidey and um, the X-Men cover. And it's hard to go against John Romita cover, you know, legend and all of that. Um, it, it was a good cover. It, it was dynamic. If anything, it totally oversold the story itself. Uh, so I, I thought it was a good cover. And, you know, I, I feel weird even trying to criticize John Romita's artwork at all because you know, I, I definitely could never come up with anything close to that. So it was a very good cover. All right. Let's go to Jason. Yeah, I liked it as well. I think I, I thought that uh, I liked the mystery of the uh, in the center there with the silhouette of the guy who's the most incredible killer of all. The concept of breaking up the cover with the webs, I thought, was, was really clever. Uh, some good images of Spider-Man in action. Uh, all in all, really solid. I, I enjoyed it. I think, think it's a, a good, solid cover. Huey, how about you? Yeah, it's a pretty busy cover, though. I mean, yeah. that's one thing I don't like. It kind of reminds me of, uh, was it issue 150 where he's fighting the Sinister Six again? Uh, I think it was Sinister Six. I mean, it's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on. I think it sells the book. I think any kid who's walked through the comic store at that time sees it as like, well, look at all the stuff that Spider-Man's getting in. You know, uh, he's getting shot at by the cops. He's getting strangled by some metal hands. You know, it definitely draws you in and it wants you, you lets a person think, okay, what's going on in this book? I want to pick it up. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's kind of when I saw it too, it kind of drawed me in. And I agree with Delvin too that it is telling you a little bit more of what the story's all about too. So it may, is it giving it away sometimes? Is the cover giving it away at all there or? Yes and no. I don't know. Jared, what do you think? 
I was going to comment that I really actually like this cover, although it is very busy. I like this cover because it does give you pretty much all the clues you need to solve the mystery on the cover. It's a very genuine cover in that like all these moments pretty much happen. And I'm always a big fan of that. Uh, But there are are many clues as to uh, who the killer actually was on the cover, which I thought was clever. And we can like reattack that after we talk about the synopsis, if you like. But uh, overall, artistically, though, uh, again, as John Romita has been clever panel layout, which is what Jason said, uh, it's like Delvin says, it's John Romita. So it it looks good. And again, I want to tip of the cap to Mm -hmm. the colorist. We we uh, we we tend to note them a little more than a lot of other shows do on our show. But the color uh, balance and schemes with all the different color backgrounds and Managed to make everything pop well, and uh, as we've talked previously about on this show, and it was uh, my wise brother who brought up, you know, you got to remember in 76, covers were competing for your mm-hmm. quarters. And on a spinner rack, you had to be dynamic, you had to be interesting, and I think if I saw this cover, I'd be like, yeah, what's going on? There's a lot going on here. And I would probably pick it up, so I think it did a great job for, for what it was meant to do. You would definitely spend your 25 cents on it. I would. I'd drop a quarter to find this out. Well, let's see what you wanted to rate it at, though. Let's get into the ratings, mm. and we're going to, we've changed it from our three star, or three, to making it a five, just to make Delvin happy, so he wasn't so and to hopefully make sure Jason understands we keep a consistency there, too, for him. So, mm-hmm. we're going to give it a cover rating of one through five tummy feathers, to see how many are you get tickled. This How is the episode I decided yeah. to join in. We're yeah. getting yeah. T- t- tummy feathers. Okay. Yeah, you got the tummy feathers in our first yeah. recipe, so you know you're welcome. <laughs> it is a it is a landmark then, day. Yes, think 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 of the tummy feathers as manly and proud, as if on a. I peacock. guess you guys can come up with something. Uh, I could, I guess. I mean. I was the one talking Wait, about a rainbow bride trapper. you give the tummy <laughs> that's feathers? That's true. Yeah, how many? That's true. You always said he had a rainbow bright trapper keeper. I still think that's pretty cool. All right. Well, it's a one through five tummy feathers. And it's going to be five. If you want to top is five, tickle your tummy feathers with you loved it. All the way to one is you didn't like it. So it didn't really tickle your your tummy feathers. So with that, why don't we start it off with Delvin? I give it a three. Jason? Three. Jared? I am giving it a four. I really like this cover. I'm going to go down the middle with a three as well. And I think I'm going to give it a three as well. Also, middle of the road for me. Kind of busy, but the color really stands out and pops. All right. With that, why don't we go ahead and get into our synopsis brought to you by Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, Become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man.
start the action with Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson being invited to cover a story about Armstrong Smith, who invented a supercomputer that would catalog and predict the behavior of worldwide habitual offenders, only to find Smith dead from an apparent bullet wound to the head. Pete goes back to the crime scene of Spidey and uses the supercomputer to type up the pertinent info of the crime in hopes of figuring out who done it. The computer spits out three suspects. Spidey goes to investigate, first stopping by the local weasel to find out where those suspects might be hiding. All three searches come up with no great revelation as to who could have killed Smith, even though the middle search proved to be harrowing for Spidey. Spidey goes back to the supercomputer in fear that he input data incorrectly, when suddenly the computer reveals its sentience and begins attacking Spidey with a pinpoint laser beam. (laughs) With quick thinking, Spidey blocks the vent that keeps the computer from overheating and pretty easily defeats the computer come to life. That's the synopsis. All right. Well, thank you for that. Let's get into the bric-a-brac of the show. Uh, We're going to get into first read or reread. So this was a first read for me. Huey, how about you? Uh, First read as well. First read. First read. Yay. First read. First timer club for us. Let's get into some highs and lows. Let's start with Huey. I guess some highs of the book for me was, you know, it's a self-contained story. You don't have to worry. You can jump right in and read this and not have to worry really about what else is going on, you know, in the continuity of Spider-Man. Especially if you're a fan, you can just, just get in there and read the book. The art was on par. The story was a little, I, I don't know. It, it was a little bit uh, contrived. I mean, it was just, just the, the whole reasoning behind, you know, the minority report, essentially computer. You know, I thought that was this kind of a kind of a weird thing, you know, especially back in the 70s. Of course, there's whole computers in the whole room, not like uh, my little laptop <laughs> sitting in front of me right now. But I mean, it was an OK story. Uh, I, I don't think it was the best Spider-Man story, but a good good filler issue. All right. Jason. So, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what Huey said. I thought the story was was pretty good. Some of the things that I liked, uh, I liked he was a little less emo than he'd been getting in in the last couple of issues that we'd discussed is he was more like his old self there's a little more humor in there i chuckled at a couple parts overall i thought it had a good mix of humor and action and tension the art was really good i i thought the story art uh was excellent what i really didn't like was the third act uh i think i i agree with 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 huey i think that it seemed a little contrived I don't know how exactly that computer built itself a laser. A freaking uh, freaking laser. 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 <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was weird. Um, I'll just sum it up. I, I, I think it was, an, overall, it was an enjoyable performance. It just didn't quite stick the landing for me. All right. With that, let's go to Delvin's. You know, I have not been super impressed with Lynn Wayne's uh, writing art so far. Um, and I don't know whether it's just his writing style. I would I would really have to read more books by Lynn. Uh, I don't know whether it's the fact that he is his own writer editor, which I've commented on a few times before, because like the idea of a whodunit. I mean, that's that's a that's a classic mm-hmm. idea and it can work pretty good with Spidey, who is that street level superhero. And he's kind of working the beat and. And playing uh, a little bit of detective, just using you know the intelligence that he has, but it just seems like there's just these shortcuts that Lin Wing took that an editor may have told him, look, no, you need to flesh this out a little bit more, or maybe leave this one out. I don't know. And then 
he mentions, you know, like it, it, it kind of uh, piggybacked off of issue 153, which no one cared about. Like, I mean, like I, I, I listened to you guys talk about it and you, you guys were like, yeah, the story's super sad. But like, I mean, the guy who died in it, nobody who cares? No, nobody cared. That dude was nobody. Like, I, I guarantee you could take like the biggest Spidey fan and say, hey, who was that dude that died in 153 in that story about the football field? And people were like, I, I don't Michael know. Bolton. Michael Bolton. Like, yeah, yeah, no, nobody knows who that dude is. No, he wasn't that important. He's a good singer. And so Lin Wein, like piggybacking off, he, he, he was, even though I'm he, just going to interrupt you here and, and just say you are not giving the eulogy at my funeral. That's, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Well, people cared about you. People didn't care about this dude who died. I'm just, they didn't. Like this dude was a nobody, man. And, and Lin Wein kind of like forced this continuing storyline down people's throat I, I, i'm just he wasn't he, i was a fan of the whodunit idea i wasn't a fan of the story i wasn't a fan of like that dude the talon whose only thing was that he had these metal arms that of course spidey had to fall right into but he wouldn't because he's spider-man and it was a normal human with strong hands not been a huge fan so i i'll, I'll just uh say that and um and pass it along to jared well, all right. Hang on. I'm just having my computer's kind of acting up here. Oh, crap. It almost shot me the laser. <laughs> <laughs> I've been setting that up. I didn't listen to anything you guys said. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> no, I think I, I'm a good mix of, of what everybody said. Uh, on the one hand, is like a self-contained little mystery. Pretty good. It was a fun little read. Uh, but I think that uh, most of us here agree that we all kind of like comics that are contributing to some larger story. And that's just not happening here. Uh, I, I do want to revisit the uh, what I talked about on the cover, about how the cover mm-hmm. gives you clues. As as you could, you could kind of solve it from the co- cover because it's got Spidey dodging the laser beams in the computer room at the bottom. And, you know, it's called Who Done It? And that's kind of clever because the computer's name was Who and Who Done It? Oh. Notice how Who Done It doesn't have a question mark on the cover either; it has an exclamation point. Uh, so it's like, and then like when it says, "Who is the most incredible killer of all?" Once again, his name yeah. is Who, and even the and even the outline of the the blank face it's drawn very boxy, almost like it's a robotic head and not a human head. So uh, lots of clues on the cover. I thought so. I think at the end of the day, I almost feel like I feel like Lynn Ween had this clever idea to have a computer named Who. And to do a who done it where who done it, and and it's it's mildly clever, yeah, uh, and it's it's a, a fun little zippy read, and I do just want to take a minute to say that Sal Buscema's uh, oh, pencils yeah. are just really cool, and there's a there's a couple of panels in particular where uh, where like as like when Spider Man was in the bar and he like threw the blonde headed guy. Oh yeah, and, like he's flying through the air, and then like the redheaded guy, he, like puts him on his butt, like on like on top of a table, and the table crunches, and his legs are flying in the air. Some really cool dynamic stuff. I mean, Salvashim is is the man, and always will be the man. Uh, so the art does look really great, and I'm just really surprised that that we haven't really talked about what had to be Jason's favorite character in the story, which is the oh. weasel. I mean. Pop, pop goes the weasel, fellas. <laughs> I, I did notice that. I was wondering if anybody was going to comment. I put it but, in the synopsis. Uh, 
Oh, I wasn't listening. I was working. Yeah, you are listening. You're setting, up your, you're setting up your joke. <laughs> with your laser. And though I do have to kind of come around back and agree with Delvin on the one point that there was like, was this the first appearance of Talon? Was this the last appearance of Talon? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's what's funny is he's got kind of a cool look with the purple jacket and the shades, and he's got the he's like street level but kind of cool. I could see him becoming almost like a Tombstone esque mm-hmm. character, but I don't. Well, it might have to do a little research, but it, it's just kind of like, okay, that's all you got on him, you know? Like you didn't really develop him that much, but anyways, overall, fellas, brisk read. Uh, it was a fun read, but again, it didn't really take us anywhere. So, yep. There we have it. Really quick, Pat. I wanted to add, I did like, I liked how Spidey beat the computer because that seemed relevant even, you know, till today. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If you want to beat a computer, you got to overheat it. So I thought that that was very clever Mm -hmm. thinking on Spidey uh, because he first he tried to escape. That didn't work. And it's like, all right, I got to shut this thing down. And he discovered a very quick way to do it am i the only one that thought when i'm like okay ooh, this is going to be a really mystery but it really didn't play out like that it was he was just hopping from one thing to another and like you said it got right towards the end it's like oh we got to jump to the end right away it's a short one it's uh 17 pages the story the build up in the on the first splash page was like oh it's gonna be a mystery can you figure it out who did it yeah, even did that thing where, you know, Spidey did his appearance is like, oh, you'll, you know, pull the bed covers over your head. I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> well, really? nah, he probably didn't. Yeah. I do like how they were trying to kind of get the the end of Bolton where he was working on this computer with this guy. So kind of end that story where Spider-Man's not mad like he has been for the last few episodes of trying to figure out, you know, who was the killer of Bolton and, you know, trying to make amends for what happened. I guess finally Spider-Man gets that. I guess we'll see in 156 because at the end of 154, after fighting Sandman, he didn't find out who the big boss man Mm, was of that. So like that is a storyline that hasn't um, wasn't explored at all in the next issue, uh, and um, Jesus, one more thing. Oh yeah, the um, mysterious guy that has the alcohol mm-hmm. problem that that wasn't explored either. That wasn't explored in one fifty five uh, either. Yeah. They just kind of had this um, this yeah. one off. At first, I thought it was the weasel guy, but then yeah, that was Jason. I thought it was Jason. He was going to finally tell <laughs> us who it was. I'm the snitch. <laughs> yeah. Other other than that, um, I did like the art in the in this. Is again, Sal Buscema can't go wrong with this art. I'm telling you, if you ever want some, if you ever want to see a lot of Sal, I think he did some Avengers back in the day. But like Spec Spidey, Spec Spidey, he, he yeah. drew a ton of it, a ton of it. You can get dozens of cheap issues with, with Sal Buscema's artwork in it. And what's neat about those issues, just from my point of view, just is in this era of Spider-Man, it's like every Spider-Man artist is kind of trying to be John Romita. And mm-hmm. and Sal Buscema really just becomes Sal Buscema on those Spec Spidey episodes, uh, or issues rather. And he really just kind of does his own style, and you can see him get freer with his pencils. And he's just one of those guys, kind of like Tim Sale, who can just do the simplest of pencil marks and make it look really cool. 
So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm just back and delving up on that. It's good stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, to keep going about him, like he has one of those styles where he could probably turn a, a comic book, you know, issue in probably about ten days or so. He could he could probably mm-hmm. be one of those that draws about you know two two or three comics a month. Where sometimes you can't even get a comic book artist to get one issue of a comic book done monthly. He his style lends to drawing very uh, quick but very yep. good comics. Yep, yep. Uh, looking to see if I can find some of those out in the wild. Yeah, I think the uh, Under Siege storyline the event from the Avengers that you touched on, Jared, I think is one of my favorite story arcs, Avengers or whatever, today. And yeah, his artwork is just phenomenal on that story arc. I'm giving I'm passing the Jared credit to Delvin because I didn't know he did any <laughs> Avengers work. It was Delvin that brought that up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Delvin. We sound the same, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's some Delvin accent you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this chicken gumbo is good, y'all. Does anybody have any uh, other thing highs and lows on this? Um, to go back to what uh, uh, Delvin was talking about, uh, Spidey. Uh, clogging the air vent over heat. Seemed like they would just shoot the the spider webs off. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't uh, smart enough to do that. I don't know. It looks like all, you, yeah. you know. Maybe, maybe he couldn't aim aim down that, to that. that. <laughs> maybe not. I like how. I, I think we should. I think we should give a little credit. Well, I was oh, I'll say, say if you that. look at that spot too, Spider Man knows where it is because it says vent underneath it. <laughs> it's very very Batman sixty six. <laughs> oh, that's where the vents are. We might give Lynn a little bit of credit, though, because keeping in mind this was 76, yeah. that, you know, the whole rise of the machines thing. I mean, it had been played a little bit then some sci-fi, like in 2001 springs to mind. But, I mean, it wasn't like a lot of people were doing it. So it was a well, little bit. That's, that's kind of, I, I guess, my big gripe here is that I thought that the idea is good. Like the whodunit story, that's fine. I mean, like you can say formulaic, whatever, but I mean, anybody will read a good mystery. So there's that part of it that's good. The computer kind of gaining sentience, that's kind of cool. But it's just like there's just something that just the, the story just wound up being it, it could have been better. And that's where an editor is going to challenge you. Where you might have that story like, yeah, this is awesome. And you're like, yeah, no, this doesn't read like you think it should, dude. Oh, yeah, maybe I could, you know, rewrite that or change it. That's that's what it needed. The story needed an editor because maybe two more pages of story. It had an editor. It was just the same as the rest. (laughs) So you can solve a mystery or rewrite history. Go ahead, Delvin. Go ahead, Delvin. Finish it. <laughs> yes. All right. We can move on. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, what? One more thing. Since I wrote it down, I may as well say it. It was, it's kind of funny because, Jay, you know, J- Jameson, his whole deal with Spider-Man has always been how he's a menace. And Spider-Man got a plate into that a little bit because he was like, ah, Cops take too long. And he went right back to a crime scene, trampled all over it. <laughs> he did. He did. the computer. That's exactly what a menace would do. Solid like, point. Solid point. Jonah's kind of right. A little bit. Batman at least knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like... 
Like Batman's a train forensic specialist, but yeah, Spider Man just was like do 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> F the police. F the police. <laughs> and he takes him out too when he's in there. Yeah. And and they, none of them somebody, go. None of the police. None of the police go looking to say, "Hey, well, what was he doing typing on there?" Yeah, didn't look at it at all. Maybe he erased it, you know, and that happened off panel. But yeah. Could be. Anything else, guys? I'm good. All right. I'm so good. Let's get to. Hopefully, we can brighten up the mood here with a little silly Spidey moment. Why don't we start with Jared? Oh goodness! I guess I got to go with the joke that stuck with me the most from when I read it. It's actually on page one. Is when uh, Jameson. I love Jameson rants, and Jameson's on a rant, and he says, "You know, come on, Parker, snap it up for the kind of money I pay you. Take pictures. You could at least be prompt." And then Peter's thinking. For the money he pays me, what money? <laughs> if it costs a dollar to go around the world, I couldn't get across the street. You took mine. You took oh, did I? I? I, you know, I'm a sucker. <laughs> I'm a sucker for the JJJ cheapness jokes. So right there on page one, that gets my my silly story. So, Delvin, is that yours? Do you have an, another? Well, I did think it was funny that uh, he called grown men jelly rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I have to add that one to our lexicon. Fat shaming. <laughs> Huey, how about you? Um, I don't necessarily like Spidey funny moments. Were there a couple parts in the book that that made me kind of think and stop? And go, what the heck? When uh, Spidey went in there and got the three names, the, the potential murders of the the scientist or doctor, I was surprised that Officer Gillis's name did not pop up because when he shot through that freaking door, you know, I was like, oh, low caliber bullet. You know, he was killed. You know, that's that's the first thing I thought. Maybe Officer Gillis killed the scientist as he shot uh-huh. through the door. And then the other one was. Uh, Toward the end of the book, when the uh, little little blur blur popped up, said the sciences of his uh, Peter Parker's education and the sciences is trained in his mind for detective detective reasoning, and he said and looked through a phone book. Alan Fox, Barry Fox, ah, Conrad Fox, there he is. You know, <laughs> I, I just thought that was kind of funny that they, they showed a picture of him, looked through a phone book. That was his uh, <laughs> detective detective reasoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason, how about you? Yeah, I think same panel there that uh, Huey was touching on. I thought the. The last thing was kind of funny when he when he says, "Well, two out of three ain't bad because there's some your deductive reasoning, your determination, and your ingratiating manner." And it shows him like knocking on the lady's door, and she's all freaking out. So, ah, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, I like it when he's um, just about to look, find the vents. Spider Man says, uh, "You're talking through your transistors." Chuckles. How do you figure? It says, "How do you figure to become?" The big enchilada when you you can't even leave the room. <laughs> That's a good one. That's good a good one. one. I, yeah, I also like the way you enchilada. say enchilada. I make a, I make some pretty good enchiladas. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, man! See, si. la biblioteca es mucho guapo. Well, with that, why don't we get into the ratings for this issue? Uh, again, it's just going to be an, a one through five. Five being the top, you loved it. One being you hated it. Let's start with Huey. Um, I'll give it three, right down the middle again. Fair, fair. Jason. I, I agree, three. I hate to be uh, vanilla, but um, yeah, it's good, not great. Jared? I'm going to be completely original and give it a three. I'm going to save the best for last, Delvin. 
I'm going to go slightly lower. Um, I, since uh, Busema was in there uh, with great artwork and there were good elements, I'll give it a two and a half. Two and a half? We don't have halves. Doing yes. That, doing, that, doing that thing again. Yeah. yeah, I am doing it. That's right. You can't give half tickles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You either, you either tickle the tummy feather or you don't tickle the tummy feather. I can't half tickle a tummy feather? That's what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Fine. It's a Ooh. it's a two then. And 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 you all can suck it telling me how I can tickle and how I can't tickle. How about that? Ha ha ha. I just feel bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll right. two. That's, That's fine. Fair. I'm gonna give it a three. So with that, why don't we take a quick podcast promo break? And we'll be right back with the next issue. R. What's that stand for? Robin. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Myers. And I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast called Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. Rob, are you going to take out the trash? Uh, I'm right in the middle of uh, recording an ad for my my podcast. I'll, I'll do it in just a little bit, okay? Sorry to interrupt. Boy wonder time. Boy wonder? I'm all man, lady. Uh, Rob? Uh, okay, where was I? That's right. My podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves a Drake. It'll be hosted over at thebatmanuniverse.net. I'll be covering Tim Drake's origin story from the very beginning, starting with Tim's first appearance in Batman 436, also known as Batman Year 3, and hopefully going all the way through the Robin ongoing series, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 183. 183 issues? Wow. Well, it's a good thing, because... Everyone loves the Drake. You don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Welcome back from the break. This next issue for this episode is X-Men number 98. Published from Marvel, got a cover date of April 1976, with an on-sale date of January 20th, 1976. Cover price is still 25 cents. Editor is Marv Wolfman. That wasn't me. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was him. It was okay. him. Yeah, it was me. Okay. We got a title of Merry Christmas, X-Men. You should put in Sleigh Bells. Sleigh Bells. Killer. <laughs> With the writer of Chris S. Claremont. Penciler is Dave Cockrum. Inker is Sam Granger. Letterer is Joseph Rosen. Colorist is Janice Cohen. And we have on the cover artist is Dave Cockrum. Speaking of the cover, let's have Jason give us a brief detail of what it is. So thanks, Pat. Yeah, this is a really action-packed cover, very dynamic. Uh, it's centered on two sentinels that are in the center of the page, and then on the foreground, falling off of a building on which the sentinels are perched, you have Colossus, and climbing up the side of the building, you have Nightcrawler. Flying in and attacking the sentinel on the left is Storm. She's firing a bolt of lightning into the sentinel's chest. And the, the sentinel of, on the right has Cyclops in his hand, and Cyclops is blasting uh, the sentinel with his optic blast. Standing on the sentinel's shoulders and, and slashing at the sentinel's head uh, is Wolverine. The title is the all-new, all-different X-Men, and then the little, um, the little art blurb in the, on the top left uh, has the headshots of the of the X Men, uh, Banshee, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Storm, and Cyclops. It says still only twenty five cents. And then on the bottom, there's a little text box that says the Sentinels are back. 
Nuff said. Back to Good. you, Pat. Uh, Delvin, what do you think of the cover? I think it's freaking fantastic. Um, Old words. Just, yeah, it was, I, I don't know, between just, you know, the coloring of it and, and the action of it and anyone uh, who has a familiarity with X-Men knows about what Thorn and uh, their side that, you know, the Sentinels are to them. So the Sentinels coming back is always meaning that there's some bigger threat looming because someone always seems to be controlling the Sentinels. But just a great drawn cover, a lot of action. The green background just highlights, you know, the rest of the X-Men. A lot, all the X-Men are doing, you know, cool action posey stuff. I just thought it was a, a great cover. Jared? This cover is bad this is a great cover. The colors are great. The action is great. It's amazing. Dave Cockrum is in full stride here. When I looked at it, I thought this could be easily be the cover for the, one of the greatest video games that was never ported to the home console. Does anybody remember the giant X-Men video game where like you could have like six people mm-hmm. playing at yeah. once? In the arcade, yeah. this yeah. could be. That's where my like, college tuition went. <laughs> <laughs> that game was awesome, and if they ported it to the home console, I would dominate this to be the cover. It's that good, like it's it's amazing. Everybody looks cool. Again, uh, props to the colorist. Looks great. It's well inked. If you look around the edge, it's got that sort of that Kirby crackle with the black dots coming in, which always makes a cool effect. It, it, Storm. I, I I know I'm kind of being like Shag right now, but Storm looks sexy as all get out, and uh, and Cockrum is is at full stride on that on the cover as well as in the book. We'll get to that later, but his Storm looks gorgeous, uh, and all the other action is just it's just amazing. It's top to bottom amazing. Huey, what are your thoughts? I think everybody else kind of took the words right out of my mouth. It's a really great cover. Um, you know, the green that kind of light green in the back makes a. The Sentinels really pop in that foreground a little more. Yeah, it's a great cover. A lot of action in there. I definitely love the Wolverine at the top, slashing the top of that the Sentinels head off, you know, and shows us a lot of action with the Colossus getting smacked off the side of the building and Storm coming up. It, it's his great cover and all. I, that'd be an awesome poster. Uh, and Jason, what do you think? Yeah, this cover reminds me of why I loved the X-Men in the first place. I mean, this this has it all, and I'm just going to pair it onto what what Jared and well everybody said it, it just it has everything it has it has a menacing uh, enemy in the Sentinels it's got great action poses uh, it just makes you want to pick up and read the book this is one of the classic covers I definitely agree with everything you guys are saying I think the cover blurb says it all with enough said <laughs> yes well played and I'm so excited to get to the Sentinels here too so yeah, you excited? I, no, again, excited with been waiting. You know, <laughs> the story has been going for a while, so but we can get to that well, once we get the synopsis. But let's get a quick time to rate this cover. I think I'm pretty sure by everybody's excitement, and we're gonna see <laughs> some Tommy's really tickled. I have a feeling. <laughs> so, speaking of that, why don't we see Huey? Did this tickle your tummy, or did it rough your feathers? Oh, uh, no, it tickled my tummy well enough to give it a five. All Ooh. right. Jared. Let's take a trip to the frame story, y'all. It's getting a five. I'd hang this on my wall in a heartbeat. Jason? I agree. You have five of the, the classic, uh, the, um, most iconic X-Men all in on one page battling their one of their ultimate nemesis in the, the Sentinels. Definitely a five. And Delvin? I'll, I would like to give it a four and seven eighths. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you. It's for you, Delvin. 
<laughs> you know, at first I, I wrote a four out of five, but um, I, the way I described it, that that's that's under that's understating it. And I would put this on my wall. Absolutely. So five out of five. I agree with you guys as well, too. This is definitely a five out of five cover. Uh, really excited for this. Uh, awesome. Home run for I Dave Cox. This has been a while since we've had a, a five for five, didn't haven't we? Or at least a way to go. I think yeah. the last time it was an X Men issue. I think it was like the, fir- the iconic, yeah. whatever that was at 90, no. 94. 94. We'll yeah. have to check the databases and see. You know, I was the only one that commented on this. So am I just a weird creeper, or does does Storm not look really good there? Is it, you're is a weird, weird creeper. You're, you're definitely right. a weird. I thought she looks great. You're a creeper who is weird. Okay. Anybody else? Creeper? Well, creeper. You, you're a creeper. Yeah. Uh, creeper. No, creeper. Just, in this oh. one instance, not overall. <laughs> you already already mentioned that you were going to talk about it, it about the um, in the comic book. So you know it, it's kind of giving it a little bit of a way. But I think one of the things that makes Cockrum so like awesome as an artist is that he got the personalities like and and body types perfect like you could think of someone you know who was raised in kenya and grew up thought of as a goddess you know and and uh, to look like aurora monroe looked and he, he nailed it he really did so that that you can even think that she is sexy says so much about what Cochran developed as a character that he, he, he did it great. He nailed it. Ah, not weird. <laughs> <sighs> There's a lot of silence. Okay. Yeah, you're weird. <laughs> well, screw you guys. It's their own. You don't think, you know what? You don't think Aurora was sexy. There's something wrong with you. This guy, this show got All weird. Right, All right, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> let's get to the synopsis. Jason? Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier. Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect, these are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men.
So in this action-packed issue, the X-Men are enjoying an evening in downtown New York for Christmas. The evening is pleasant with a gentle snowfall, some playful sexual harassment of the locals by <laughs> Nightcrawler and Colossus, and even a cameo appearance by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. All goes well. They go home, they have dinner, exchange presents, and enjoy hot cocoa deep into the evening. Of course not. They are, of course, attacked by mutant-killing sentinels. Marvel Girl and Cyclops fight back with their powers, but Cyclops is immobilized, and Jean Grey is abducted by the iron mutant-killing giant. Storm and Cyclops manage to drive off the rest of their attackers, but not before Wolverine and Banshee are captured as well. The story cuts to an interlude where we see Professor X finally getting to enjoy that vacation he's been trying to get to over the last three issues. He is tranquilly fishing off the back of a yacht captained by his old buddy, Dr. Peter Corbeau. Xavier and Corbeau fish for hours, knock back a few beers, and Xavier gets eight hours of uninterrupted sleep for the first time in months. Of course not. <laughs> Xavier is attacked from the water by another sentinel. After a brief battle and ensuing chase, the boat is demolished. Xavier is captured and Corbeau is adrift at sea. In the issue's final act, we see captured X-Men and a hidden lair operated by none other than the mutant-hating Dr. Scott Lang, who is still sporting his <laughs> athletic duds. <laughs> the X-Men appear to be helplessly chained to a wall. And that is until Dr. Lang dares lay his hands on Jean Grey. A furious Wolverine breaks loose and single-handedly demolishes Lang's guards and the Sentinel. Wolverine frees the others, and they fight a valiant battle against Lang's soldiers and an army of Sentinels battling towards freedom. Our intrepid foes finally break free of their confines, only to find that they are on a satellite and plunge deep into space. And that's where the story ends. Take it away, Pat. Well, thank you, Jason, for that exciting recap on this issue. Let's get into the bric-a-brac for this one. Let's see, is it a first read or a reread? For me, it's a first read. Jason? This one's a reread for me. Huey? First read. Elvin. First and read. Jared. Storm is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's a first read. First read. Ooh. Creeper. All right. You're a creeper. <laughs> well, speaking of creeping, let's get into the highs and lows. Let's start with Jared. <laughs> this is going to be an all-storm review. <laughs> <laughs> No, highs is going to be the art. The art throughout this whole thing was fantastic. And yes, uh, Storm is gorgeous. But like Delvin was saying, everything's gorgeous. Every 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 body type, every angle, the robots. I mean, drawing robots is a pain in the butt, y'all. And he had to draw a lot of robots. He had to draw a lot of human form, tons of dynamic action. He had to draw like a lightning storm. He had to draw a hurricane. Like drawing a hurricane is not an easy thing to do. Just top to bottom all the way through the art is incredible so just focusing on the story for a minute i thought it was kind of cool I, again first read for me i'm not terribly familiar with this era of the x-men but i thought it was well plotted out i was intrigued the whole time i cared about the outcome of the characters i liked wolverine's powerful moment at the end uh the only question that i had i guess it would be for jason and maybe a little bit of delvin because they're more experts <laughs> <laughs> peter Corbu. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Delvin. Uh, Peter Corbu is not a name I recognize. Is, is he going to be back a lot, or is this kind of a one and done for him? I, I didn't know anything about Peter Corbu. 
I don't think it's a one and done. Or whatever. I think he was a recurring character. Like, not like any major storylines, but he was around. Okay, so he's just kind of a hangout guy. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing I would have done to make this issue any better is I really think that Dr. Lang missed the boat. He could have had some giant sized tracksuits made for these <laughs> Sentinel robots. <laughs> <laughs> but. That's it for me. I'm going to pass the mic. That would cool, yeah. <laughs> Kiwi, how about you? I agree with it. The art was uh, great throughout the book. The only uh, kind of complaint I have is some of the shading on Professor X's face under the hat on the boat. Yep, I know. Seems a little too. weird. Um, <laughs> they could have done that a little bit differently. It looked like he's uh, he cut in the middle of shaving. He's really hairy or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. But other than that, the art was great. The story was good. It definitely was. Uh, I felt it was better than the Spider-Man issue. A lot heavier read, yeah. though, than the Spider-Man issue. Uh, you guys have talked about Claremont before and how he's very wordy. And it, it is. It's a very wordy book. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is this is uh, taking some time to get yeah. through. But other than that, it, it was a great book. It had some good action in there. And it definitely, you know, with that cliffhanger ending, makes me want to pick up issue 99 to see where it's going. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Delvin, how about you? Uh, if you if you thought of... Uh, the X-Men and somehow they were all their adventures were on some linear, linear timeline. Like, good God, these people would be a mess. I mean, they're just out trying to just shop and enjoy a day. And next thing you know, they're getting attacked by killer robots. I'm pretty sure that would screw up my entire existence if that happened like once. And this happens to them like every Tuesday, you know, uh, it's killer robot day. It, it, I just thought that that was, you know, something that it, they are just trying to enjoy their day and they're just attacked just for being who they are. And Claremont, man, I mean, that's still a, it's still a theme today. And, and that's that's something as much as you know we crack about Claremont being, you know, wordy as all get out. Man, he he established that like these folks are just hounded just for being who they are and. You have average dudes in track suits willing to put together killer robots to go after these folks. We've, we've said a lot about the art, and, and I'm going to continue to just be flowing about uh, Dave Cockrum in this issue and just in general. He just knew how to define the characters. They all looked distinct and realistic where you could think that Storm looked Kenyan and that Banshee looked Irish and they didn't look like insulting caricatures. They actually look like well thought out and fleshed out characters. And that is that's something because they could have taken the easy way out. And you can tell that somebody somewhere at some point said, no, these are characters that we want to establish as actual characters that mean something and have definition and and it, it came through a lot in this book, uh, specifically about the story. I, I thought that, you know, they got into the story, did a little bit of characterization, but came, went right into the action. And that's sometimes something that I criticize Claremont about, where it's like words, 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 <laughs> words, words, and words. Oh, yeah. You know, somebody sneezed. That's the action. And then more <laughs> words. And in this case... It was like, no, this was a threat. And and not only was it a threat, but they had to unleash powers right away or they would have they would have died and they still wound up getting captured. Uh, and then the ending was just 
I haven't read these like storylines like just issue by issue. So I'm very excited at the end to see where it goes. And also what, you know, we kind of criticize Spotty about is that uh, Wayne seems to kind of be jumping all over the place, maybe needed an editor. It looks like either between Claremont's direction, possibly the editing that there has been since I've, I've been on the show, a coherent direction with what's been going on with the X-Men to where it's built up to this storyline where Xavier has had these nightmares that have been going on for issues and it's finally starting to manifest what's going on. I, I really just thought a whole heck of a lot about this issue and I'm super excited to read the next one. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with you guys on that. Well, with you out, Delvin, on that. Just the, the story building that is de- being done in the X-Men compared to the stories that are being done in Spider-Man. I, I'm more excited for X-Men right now than I am Spider-Man. Me too. And, and, I, and I do Me love too. Spider-Man. So that's, ugh. it's a give and take on this. Ugh. I'm torn. And the only thing I want to add very, very quickly is it was pretty cool how they kind of revealed what Wolverine thought about yeah. Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because, I mean, he went through some pain for her and he didn't have to. And and that was like, oh, oh. So, you know, the so far they they played him off as a complete loose cannon. But, you know, maybe the loose cannon has a little bit of feelings. And that that was that was cool. Yeah, and I think you start to see some character moments here as well, too. It's in these little different pieces. How many uh, uh, who else is kind of, I don't want to say freaked out or just I kind of like it when Nightcrawler goes into his disguise his creepy guy his swinging uh 70s creepy guy with that mustache <laughs> yeah, he looks he almost looks creepier as the in the disguise yeah. <laughs> couldn't you just be i don't know a blue fuzzy <laughs> elf instead how does the disguise work i don't know but it gets the ladies it's it's like, like an it's an image it, projection. Okay. Yeah, it's like a hollow projector. Yeah. yeah, doesn't Deadpool have one of those on like his belt or something? Nah, anyway, that's a different comic. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that I was actually going to ask that question because I didn't think that uh, uh, Nightcrawler could change his appearance, but apparently so. Yeah, he's yeah they they use that image projection um, device for a, a long time throughout the X Men. And that's just the one he chooses, or is it like, here's the default creepy guy? <laughs> I think he tried to make himself look like Errol yeah. Flynn. Errol that's Flynn what I was like thinking. His, his, Errol his favorite, his favorite actor. Right. So, so he often tries to do an uh, an image close to Errol Flynn. Did you guys notice on the first page on the big splash screen? There's a special appearance by another Marvel character, or at least that looks like to me. Uh, I yes. see Nick Fury in the lower right. Oh, uh, I mean, it could just be a dude with a patch. And a cigar. Yeah. yeah, he's right over the shoulder of Rock and Roll from G.I. Joe, even though he has not been created yet. <laughs> <laughs> and how how big are the Sentinels? Does anybody know, like, they're in comparison to, uh, you know, are they six stories, seventh? What does anybody know? I think they're, like, around 60 feet. I, I'm just going from, like, Marvel okay. hero clicks. Yeah, so I was like, well, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the Sentinel you got me for my birthday that's standing up here, and then cool I can Sentinel. compare it to the to the Wolverine, and the Wolverine like comes up to his shin, like just below his knee. I'm just trying to get some some comparison. I know these are big big giant robots, and I like them. Like you, you know, you knew we're finally building up to that point too. 
over the last few issues of seeing, you know, laying in his track suit and we saw a boot before, you know, the last issue of just that buildup that's happening. And when we're finally here with some Sentinel action, it's like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to my Marvel nerd book, it says that Sentinel, the Mark V model was only 20 foot tall. Oh, oh. so he should only be like four Wolverines. What model high. is this? Did, did it say in here? Did anybody catch that? No. No, I don't yeah. think it's... Sentinels have gone yeah. through some changes. Yeah, definitely. Is this like... Yeah, they, I'm pretty sure the the one I've got here is, is more advanced than the Mark V, so this one's probably bigger. They always bill them as the mutant-killing robots. Has these things ever killed a mutant? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, or, or are these the mutant-annoying robots? <laughs> <laughs> like arcade's murder world yeah <laughs> <laughs> harmful, attempted harmful. murder well, they, world they, in the beginning yeah that's in the beginning it's like well why can't these guys do anything like they're he's doing a full blast uh marvel girls she's doing a full blast and they're not they're not stopping these guys but then le- because they've adapted to their powers like they've always been adaptive so like you, you can't, yeah you can't beat them the same way twice um, let's see some of the other things uh, going to towards the end where once Wolverine frees um, frees Jean, you know she's in that night in that dress and he has to help her, kind of <laughs> quote unquote help her. Yeah, that's what I was like. Uh, this is where Wolverine got joined the Me Too movement, right? Here. Yeah, the sexual assault. Uh, then he's it's like he's turning to us at any time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should be insulted or. Uh, I just go with it. It was the seventies. Uh, other than that, I, I agree with what the majority of what every everybody else had said. So, Jason, what do you think? I th- I th- yeah, I think I'm the only one yeah. who hasn't gone yet. Yeah, I think yeah, you guys summed it up up great. There's not there's I can I really can't find anything that I didn't like about this book. I thought it was outstanding. Tons of action and character development. Um, this was kind of a key Wolverine issue back in the day where it was revealed that his claws are oh, part of know. him. Mm-hmm. There was there was there was questions about whether it was part of his outf- outfit or, or part of his body. And this showed clearly that his claws were part of his body. I really like the Stan and Jack cameo, you know, breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. there a little bit. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, I just thought it was, uh, you know, great story, great action. Again, the Sentinels are kind of the, you know, the perfect x-men villain because they are so evil and 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 kind of scary and 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 freaky but they're also like the character the characters can just turn loose on them you know they they don't have to worry about the comics code getting in the way you can just maul these robots all you want and we got to see that so you you get to see the x-men just really let loose and that's always a lot of fun so so yeah i thought it was a great story great action and left us with a heck of a cliffhanger and I'll just say, you know, this was a reread for me, and you guys were saying how, how you know, you're more interested in, in the X-Men comics than the Spider-Mans. The Spider-Mans are a new read okay. for me, and at first I was really liking them, but I'm I'm to the point where I'm enjoying rereading yeah. these X-Men more than I am, am the Spider-Man stories. Yeah, I'm hoping the Spider-Mans kind of kick up a little bit more, and but I haven't read ahead or haven't really looked to see what's to come either, so... You know how it is, though. Sometimes they have like a big story arc coming, and so they just like, look. We got to do something to fill fill up the few months while we're building up for this issue. So that might be a reason that they came out with a seventeen page story, and 
let's keep fingers crossed on that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's going to pick up yeah. again. I mean, it's lasted this long. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man has been around for forever and there's some great stories yeah. to be told. Well, and I think that's yeah. good when in, in reading the two together like this, there's always one of the two is something to look forward to for right now. So it's, it's holding my attention to, to through both of them, but I'm, I'm really, now I'm really excited for the next X-Men. Yeah. Should be a great story. I mean, we already know it's a great story, I guess. Because you, you know it's a good story when like, I, I haven't read each of these issues, but it's been a part of comic mm-hmm. book history at this point for 40 something years. You, you kind of know what's coming still. So that makes me somehow yeah. even more excited to read the next issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You kind of know the main milestones that are coming and now we get yeah. to see how we get there. Yeah, that's, that's how I like the, the back detail and how things came about. Plus, the way Cockrum draws Storm is just really <laughs> Well, so what, what the heck happened to Cockrum? I don't, I don't remember him on much else. After, like, did he go? I did he go to? I know he did some Blackhawk stuff. So maybe he went to DC. Ah, worth a Google. I have to. I'll take a look. I'll, I'll Google and let's talk amongst yourselves well, uh, i'll catch okay. up in in that i had a question and i don't know we'll see the name of the boat is deja thoris is that a <laughs> reference to a warlord warlord of mars That's yeah or um uh yeah what's his name um you, you all win that award. That's because I keep hearing it. it ben, ben Avery does <laughs> the show. Going to oh, places. This is this is usually Jason's job. Jason Thoris. Uh, I know, John, man. Um, what's his name? <laughs> John, John Carter yeah, of Mars. Dejah Thoris is his um, other half, better half, I guess. Or right? Oh, you win yeah. that. And, and the main reason that pops up for me because they just released a new uh, Dejah Thoris book oh. last week. It was a 25 cent cover by, um, I think it was dynamite. Um, and so that, that, that name automatically popped up like, Oh, I just oh, read that last okay. week. Well, I was thinking that too. Oh, I thought it was like, uh, when you read a Thor comic book and you're like, I could swear I've read this before. <laughs> That's Deja uh, Thoris. I thought, I hey, thought comrades. it was a dinosaur that walked around with a hammer. No. This one I thought I did the dumbest joke. Thanks yeah. for saying yep. that. Yep. You can yep. always count on me Pat to be stupider. <laughs> Yay for Pat. <laughs> and after you brought us that nice bit yeah. of information. Well, well I'm, glad. I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking that. So thank you, Huey. Yep. And I'll um, give a shout out to Ben Avery with his, his Marvel Cosmic comics that he's going through. That's I listened to that and he's he was going through John Carter. Uh, on Mars, so okay. yeah. very cool. Dylan, have you found anything? Or I know yeah. that- went to the wiki. Um, uh, Dave Cockrum uh, is an Oregonian, same as Huey. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, he was uh, born in '43 uh, in Pendleton, Oregon. Okay. His dad was a Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, so they went all over the place. I think he did some time himself in. Uh, the service, uh, yep, he was in the Navy. Uh, he served in the Vietnam War. And Cockrum's badass, man. That's cool. Yeah. So um, they went went on to talk a little bit about uh, Marvel uh, and the X-Men. Uh, let's see. There's a journalist that wrote about his pencils. Um, says, Cockrum's penciled interiors on those first issues of the new X-Men were dark and appealingly dramatic. Cockrum gave those first few issues of X-Men a sumptuous late 70s cinema style 
that separated the book from the rest of Marvel's line and superhero comics in general. Reading those X-Men comics felt like sneaking into a movie starring Sean Connery or Sigourney Weaver. It's not simply like flipping on the television. That's a heck of a compliment. Uncanny X-Men really felt new and different almost right away, and Cockrum's art was a tremendous part of that. Uh, so, kind of a spoiler, he drew from um, issues 94 through 105, uh, and he also drew 107. And he was succeeded by John Byrne. So That's another right. the new Byrne was coming. Yeah, another classic uh, artist. And maybe one of the reasons that you didn't hear a ton from him was about um, in about 2004, uh, he became uh, seriously ill due to um, diabetes and pneumonia. And he uh, passed away uh, late 2006 um, in his home in South Carolina. But as far as his uh, his pencil art, y'all should check it out because he was all over the place. I mean, he drew some a uh, few issues of Avengers. He drew, um, of course, uh, Uncanny X Men. He drew some Batman. He drew some Green Lantern. He did. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, but um, clearly, by far, his um, most uh, famous stuff was uh, Un- Uncanny X Men. Very good. Thank you, Dylan, for giving us that background. That is why you are of course. the master of the dark web. Um, well, let's get into some a little bit more bric-a-brac here before we end. Uh, we just wanted to go through what was everybody's <laughs> extra, who went the extra mile here, or the extra above and beyond? I think we all know who went the extra mile. <laughs> no, we, we know what you think. <laughs> I, my vote might surprise you. Well, uh, Jared, go ahead and tell us. I've given it to Wolverine. Not only did he save the day, got that cool, like Jason said, that cool reveal that the claws are part of his hands. He busted out. He took out a Sentinel single-handedly. And then uh, he ripped Jean Grey's skirt so he can get some of that leggy action for the rest of the book. If that's not heroics, I don't know what is. <laughs> Huey, how about you? I, I would go with Wolverine, too. You know, he's being the typical man's man of the 70s. And like you said, ripping that dress like, yeah, I'm the man. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. And uh, and, and like, he looks right at the, the reader and kind of like, yeah, I get a little <laughs> weak. <laughs> you know? Uh, things oh, yeah. that would not fly in comics today. But <laughs> no, shut no. up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason? I think that this clearly goes to Dr. Peter Corbo. Because <laughs> that some <laughs> went down oh. in the middle of the freaking Atlantic or some someplace. <laughs> lost at sea in shark-infested waters. Somehow managed to find his way to the X-Mansion. Climb the wall, <laughs> evade the security system, and get inside. And go, dude! Your professor's lost. <laughs> that that is a friend. He's like he's like Quint from Jaws, man. <laughs> I think at some point you got to reevaluate your friends. There, I mean, he wasn't doing anything but fishing. All of a sudden, now he's he's struggling yeah. for his life. Well played, Jason. Well played. Delvin? Well, Wolverine's a a great one and probably the one. So I'll just give a perspective and just say uh, Banshee because Banshee kind of um, came in there and uh, did a little bit of saving Mm -hmm. a day where um, there were a few issues before where it seemed like Banshee's main role was just going to (laughs) be holding a pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his highlights included holding a pipe and letting Thunderbird die. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it always seemed like the rest of them were like busting their ass in the danger room and he's out there smoking his pipe. You know? <laughs> yeah, training's for the losers, laddie. <laughs> Shut up. 
So yeah, let's let's right. go with Banshee. Well, I I kind of agree with you guys on Wolverine, but I'm gonna just gonna take a, another character further since we're on these rails and we're totally off them anyway. I'm gonna go with Doctor Lang. Doctor yeah. Lang, he's gonna you know, yeah, exactly yeah. Commitment. He continues to wear that tracksuit. Make sure the people around him are wearing uh, that you know their tracksuit as well. He gets kind of mm-hmm. crazy. He slaps Gene. He's going that extra mile. You know, he he wants to tell him, I mean business. Just don't let the track foots, he don't mean, let this track suit business. fool you. What do I'm you think would happen man. if he knows his... Hey, 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 you over there. Where's your track suit? Get over here. What do you think, what do you think would happen if one of the hitchmen, which wear blue track suits as opposed to Lang's red one, what do you think if one of the hitchmen wore a red one? Yeah. yeah. That's just, and they yeah. have the helmet. They have that uh, helmet cover on uh, the top. Gary, uh, what are you wearing? Uh, that's mine. <laughs> and and, and uh, you get the memo. It's white tracksuit day. White tracksuit day. Wednesday white. <laughs> I, I, I have to add to um to, to Pat's pick selection of Lang. You know he he has discovered that once you go track, oh, go <laughs> you don't go back. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well. <laughs> Just you know, as an addendum, not a lot of guys can pull off the hair part yeah. down the middle, and Lang's rocking that. I like him. I'm looking forward to seeing more of him and his tracksuit. <laughs> well, with that, why don't we get into the ratings? The ratings are again a one through a five. Five being that it tickled your tummy feathers, and one being it ruffled them. Let's start with Jason. I'm going to give this one a solid four. All right, Jared. Solid four. Huey. Four as well. Delvin. It was really close to a five. It really was. And I had to at least say that. It got a four, but it was damn close to a five. If none of you guys can do it, I'm giving it a five. I loved it. Check suit. It got my tummy feathers. <laughs> it did. I, I was I was close, but I I've read these before, and I know there's even better ones coming. So I'm, I'm going to save it. But I yeah, I I can see why you get it. Give it a five. I would have. It could have gone five, but Storm wore like a heavy coat for the first. <laughs> 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 I couldn't even get through my own joke. I cracked myself up. <sighs> oh, well, all right. With that, then I think that's going to be it for. This issue, why don't we take a quick podcast promo break and we'll be right back. The Long Halloween, Hush, Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke. These are all Batman stories that have been talked about and talked about countless times over the years. They are considered classics and in most cases that title is fitting. The thing is, Batman is nearly eight decades old, and whilst those stories are worth talking about, there are plenty of other Bat comics that are being a tad overlooked. And that's where we come in. Hi everybody, my name is Michael Bailey. And I'm Andrew Leyland. Andy and I decided that it was a crime that there were so many great Batman stories out there that weren't getting their due. To that end, we started a show, The Overlooked Dark Knight, a non-index index show. Our goal is to talk about the previously mentioned Overlook stories and tell you why they're worth your time. The show comes out twice a month, with the first episode focusing on the back books from the late 70s and early 80s. We're starting with the Len Wein run and working our way forward through the books written by Jerry Conway and eventually Duke Mensch. On the second episode of the month, we'll dig into the various adventure comics that were based on the Fox Kids slash Kids WB Batman animated shows because they're really good and hardly anyone seems to remember that they exist. 
The show can be found at the Fortress of Bailitude Podcasting Network, which is located at www.fortressofbailitude.com. The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. Shining a bat signal on the bat stories that no one seems to remember or care about. Because somebody has to. Welcome back from the break. Now let's take a quick look at the poll that Jared had put out. Jared, give us a little information about it. All right. Uh, about 24 hours before we recorded this episode, I did what I've done in the past and threw out a Twitter poll about which cover that we were going to discuss on this episode did people like the best, uh, the X-Men or the Amazing Spider-Man cover. Do you know the results? Have I, you looked I at the results, not. Pat? No. You have not looked at the results. So would you like to hazard a guess as to who got the larger percentage and what that number was? I am going to say X-Men by probably 85%. Oh, you're saying it got 85% of the vote? Jason? Delvin? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I still muted. <laughs> I don't know if it's as high as 87%. I, I'm going to say definitely X-Men high 67%. 67. Delvin? I will go 75%. Uh, 75-25. In favor of the X-Men. All right. Huey? I will go X-Men and uh, I'll do 70. The winner is the Dark Web. X-Men definitely won it in a landslide, getting 79% of the vote. But this should not surprise anyone since Delvin was a winner on The Price is Right. Ding, ding, ding. So he's yeah, got yeah. these skills. Come on down. Still but was he the showcase down. winner too, though? He actually was. Yeah, and we're not joking. <laughs> I was. That's true. <laughs> you, you're on with royalty here. And, uh, and I'm talking to you. Wait, it's not about me? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, why don't we get into the comments, uh, the Crusader comments section. Yeah, I do want to say, and this might screw everything up, but I do want to say thanks to everybody who voted in the in the poll. You guys make it fun. And be on the lookout for some more uh, yeah, for future definitely. episodes. Uh, we love the support you guys give us on doing those polls. I don't know. Can you tell how many people voted? I can. On this poll, we got awesome. 28 votes. Cool. So it's just not us. So, yeah, if you guys, if you're taking part in, uh, in the polls that we do, again, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, hit a retweet on it, too, so we can get some more more input. More input, you know, gets a, a better yeah. better outcome. And uh, man, the X Men really really shined on this one, as as we discussed in the in the episode. Definitely. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show, where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. You suck. Please take a moment <laughs> to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show. And we will share your review on the next show. We have social media likes, shares, and retweets from El Sedano. Blast it or stash it. Brett Brooks. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Let it roll. Roll. Thanks, Chris. Oh, his always, always. <laughs> we have former guest Clinton Robinson. Coffee and comics, which I believe is also Clinton Robinson. And creeping in from the dark web, we have Delvin. Dark web slash Felix Leiter. 
we also have Firestorm Fan. And we have G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Thanks, I'm going to start saying your name. <laughs> Jerry Green. Uh, this guy shouldn't be here. I, I've got a restraining order against him. Uh, it's my brother from my actual mother, Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. And coming up next, we have Jason Albrecht, which may or may not be related to... Oh, wait, no, we already said he's related. No, that's not a good <laughs> No take-backs. Can't take it back. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm Your so turn, Pat. I'm so nervous about what's about to happen. Thank you, Delvin. <laughs> Next we have Jim at Canada Daredevil. Oh. The man without fear, but not without oh, poutine. <laughs> <laughs> without gloves. The man without gloves. Uh, are we doing this again? I, I've waited all week for that joke. <laughs> to jump in there. Come on. Come on, man. I, I feel like, oh, what, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jeb Bush. <laughs> Please clap. Please clap. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who read that one? That was a pat. I said, that, was a, that was a pat. Yes. Yeah, I think you're up. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got a double dose of Joe Crawford, friend of yeah. the show. We love you, Joe. <laughs> I was Joe, mm -hmm. and then I'll go to John Jack. That sounds like a comic book character. That's a cool name. And or is it Jack John? Yeah. And next we have uh, Ken Barr Jr. And I, I'll, I'll do one. I will do one <laughs> Daredevil joke. One. So I, you know, instead of being you know red, his costume would obviously be red and white. Okay. <laughs> Where's the crickets? With a, with a maple leaf on it? There are, there are no crickets. It's too cold for crickets. We're in Canada. Oh, oh, next we got Ken Solo. Thanks, Ken. Uh, we've got Kirk Spencer. Always appreciate it, Kirk. And the original man of mystery himself, Christatos. And next we have M. Anthony Gerardo, Mr. Rico Suave. Your turn, Pat. You have <laughs> Thank you. And we have Sir Martin of Grey. Sir Martin of Grey from across the pond is joined by Michael Allen Carlisle. Uh, we've got a double dose of Michael with Michael Lane. And we have a triple dose of Michael with uh, Mike Peacock. Proud to be here. <laughs> Proud to be, yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, next we have Morgan Wesley. I'm so proud to say that the next one is an account called On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. I heard that's a pretty good show. I think I'd so. like to think so. Word on the street. Heck yeah. I think Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And next we have, oh, Sean Connery's sign. I'm kidding. We don't have Sean Connery, but we do have the next best thing, Pat Samson. <laughs> the the best thing. <laughs> uh, and next uh, we have uh, Professor Frenzy. I think Professor Frenzy's brother is Professor Rumble. <laughs> that was oh, Transformers reference, you know, the people who didn't get that. <laughs> no, Jared I and I didn't have it. any money, so we didn't have yeah. Transformers. You have to stick to G.I. Joe references for That's right. Yep. <laughs> Damn you people. <laughs> well, if you would have said Professor Mindbender. Dr. Mindbender. We would have got that one. Dr. Mind. Well, you know, Professor Dr. <laughs> he never fit. He was ABD. He was all but dissertation. <laughs> yeah. 
But that that wouldn't have fit the joke. There was frenzy. There was rumble. There was laser beak. Uh, there was buzzsaw. Okay. What kind of a vehicle was rumble? There were tapes. They were all tapes. Oh, uh, that came out oh that's tape. right. That was Sonic oh, or whatever the, the name yeah, was. Soundbox. Yes. Soundwave. Yeah. Boombox guy. Boombox. Do you think he ever took rumble into the jungle? Well, it was all right with me. Anyway, we have our friends Ruth and Darren from the Rad Adventures. Oh, I got a tough one to pronounce, so I might have to ask Pat for help on this. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ross? Is it Michaud? Michaud? I think it's Michaud. Michaud? Yes. Is he Canadian say, Daredevil? Say <laughs> I, I think we found Canadian Daredevil. Ross Michaud. I, I would have said McLeod. All right. McLeod. Anyway, sorry about that, Ross, but we really appreciate the support. And then we have uh, Ruth Sutherland. Thanks again, Ruth. And uh, next, we have Ryan Daly. Thanks, Ryan. Then we have our friend and special guest appearance that was on the last episode of Shag Matthews. Yeah, Shag. The Irredeemable. Gave us a bit of help in our feedback section, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. We have Todd Wyatt. Oh, and you oh, know what man. you have to respond when I put out the call. It's Weasel Skull. We discussed this on, you know, the, the radio podcast that we did, but I always find it crazy that they took a rap song and they used the sledgehammer beat behind it, of all things. Good beat. <laughs> It is a good beat. It is. Uh, next up, we have Xenozoic Xenophiles. Say that again. Xenozoic Xenophiles. Xena Xenophiles. ZZ. Yes. ZZZ. What those are accents? Z. They are, but they're pronounced as Z's. It's Z sounds. Speaking of Z's, we need to get through this so Delvin gets fed. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we have Zach Zabel. Zabel. Bringing it home. I believe this is uh, Doug. Isn't that his first name? Doug, Z- mm-hmm. Doug yep. Zavisha? Zavisha. That's fun to say. Zavisha. 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 Anyway, thanks, Doug. And that will uh, conclude the social media like, shares, and retweets. We certainly appreciate everybody taking time to uh, give us a few comments. We greatly appreciate it, and we love to hear from you more. Coming up next, we have social media replies and comments. Uh, we've got a few conversations here, so uh, guys, how do you want to break these up? I think we're going to – we'll take a, a look at a few of them. Um, we'll probably just cherry pick some of them, so we'll go from there that way. Okay. Let's see. For this first conversation, we have Brett, and we have the Longbox Crusade, and we have a Delvin and a Jared. Looks like Jason's going to play the role of Brett. Okay. And then we all play the roles of ourselves. <laughs> that works for me. Let's get it started. All right. Shut up. I bought that issue off the stands. <laughs> I have, I've met Brett Brooks, and he does not sound like Sean Connery, but I still want you to do it as Sean Connery. <laughs> and uh, Longbox Cru- Crusader replies back, what's your favorite rating on this out of five? Shut up. I don't think you can read. But anyway, <laughs> it's been so long that I honestly couldn't give you an accurate rating by my current mindset. As a kid, I'm sure I would have given it at least a four, though. Smiley face. <laughs> and the long box replied back, that's double what D-Ray gave it. And so then Delvin, Dark Web, also Felix Slider, says, y'all were all, I didn't like it. Three wusses. And then I showed up to save the day and said, 
Like a bad 007 movie is still better than most movies, a bad Spidey is still Spidey, which makes it a cut above most comics, usually. And, and I then believe Bur- I, had, I left a picture of Spider-Man Chapter mm-hmm. 1 by John Byrne. Correct. And Brad Brooks says, watch, but, but, John Byrne. And then I replied, ugh, with extra ugh. <laughs> And then Brett Brooks comes back and says, shut up. Sure, but I was seven or eight at the time, man. Comics were the best, and I loved Spidey. Him, Cap, and Captain Marvel were my guys, my boys. It's the Chicago way. (laughs) (laughs) And thankfully, that's the end of that conversation. (laughs) Okay, so for this next conversation, uh, we have uh, Professor Allen. So let's see. Oh, we have a little skull in it, too. Oh, man. So who, who's going to play uh, Professor Allen here? You know what? I'll do it. Why not? All right. All right. Do it. Do it. All right. Okay. So uh, Alan Middleton, Professor Allen says, I think Clinton classed up the place pace nicely. Shag, not so much. To which the long box replied, Clinton is very classy. He even tried to educate us in this episode. Shag is a class act by himself. Professor Allen, you are welcome to join us anytime. To which myself, the art sale artist, responded, Sometimes you have to help a down-on-his-luck friend. I typed in a British accent. Nice. <laughs> well done, lad. Well done. <laughs> Old <To> which- man. <laughs> Old man. Oh, man. To which Delvin, Dark Web, Felix Slider says, We don't need no education. Okay, and then so I come in to drop okay. some actual education and let them all know that Les Miserables is French for the Miserables. <laughs> Thankfully, that brings that conversation to an end. Sorry. We've got a new conversation kicking off by Huey's Comics. The voice of Huey's Comics will be done by my brother Jason as Bane. I finished listening to all of Crusader's episodes. Can my mic please be turned on for the next episode of Crusader Chronicles? To which I simply responded with a nope. And the Longbox Crusade responded back, now that you've finished all 12, your mic will be turned back Dang on. Dang it, you overrode me. <laughs> so we are turning this mic. Smiley face. And uh, on this conversation, uh, we are going to start off with Jason playing Ross Michelle. Host is stranded island debate. What good is having a ho-ho on the island if you don't have a ding-dong? <laughs> I know the routine. Thanks for listening, Black Mute. Entertaining showmen. Keep them coming. <laughs> Haunts my dreams, man. <laughs> Oh, the the best actor award goes to (laughs) Jason Albrecht for his portrayal of. I don't know what that is, really. I don't either. I don't like it. I don't like it. That's freaking hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. To which I responded, and I'm going to not even do any voices. Um, I considered that joke while recording, but passed on it because I worry about Christados' virgin ears. And Christados responds, <laughs> responds back up, you should hear what I had to edit out. <laughs> Christados is a vampire in this story. <laughs> well, we don't do this section for favorite. anyone but us. You guys realize that, right? Nobody... <laughs> Well, I don't know. That's why I've said, do people like this? I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. 
Thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com where posts are made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Huey for being on this episode. But before we go, let's take a few moments to find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Let's start with Jason. Thanks, Pat. You can find me at uh, Weasel Skull on the Twitter. Uh, I'm at Jason Albrick at on Instagram and Jason Albrick on Facebook. And Albrick is spelled A-L-B-E-R-I-C-H. Just think, I'll be rich. Huey, where can our listeners find you? You can find me as part of our group, the Blast Interstitial Group, on YouTube, on the Facebook and on Twitter as well. So all the same name. Awesome. Give it a listen and or watch and check it out. It's a very fun show. Uh, I enjoy watching it. Very good job. Let the others know that. Thank you. See, and they also do, when you're on it too, you have a live chat going on too. So you can actually, if you're watching them live, you can interact with them as well too. I like that. Very fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's always great to be able to interact with people live like that because you never know what's going to pop up, what's going to crack mm-hmm. somebody up. And uh, it's always great that impromptu stuff. A lot better than us. <laughs> well, uh, Delvin, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. And yeah, that's me on Twitter. Come and uh, chat with me anytime. I'll chat you up with comics uh, anytime of the day I'm on. And Jared. <laughs> Why do you say it like I, that? I don't know. I'm building the. I'm building. Somebody it up. start the timer. Start the timer. Oh, I thought you sounded disappointed, which is probably the way to feel. But anyways, uh, yeah, hit me up personally on Twitter at Yard Sale Artist on Facebook. I'm also Yard Sale Artist. Uh, if you want to hear some more podcasting goodness, check out me and some of these goofy guys over at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. We've got our own little show on that feed. And also on the White Rocket Entertainment Network, where you can hear me and Van Allen Plexico talk about Babylon 5 or Quantum Leap or, you know, this and that. Uh, if you're more interested in my art career, you can always stop by the Twitter or the Facebook and check out the pinned tweet or post. It'll tell you where to find me in the upcoming shows thank you pat great and you can find me if you want to i am at the Longbox crusade or at Longbox crusade on both facebook and twitter but i've started a new twitter feed so you can follow me as christatos look me up there and give me a like as well there well again i want to thank everybody for being on the show thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of crusader chronicles you got a comment or question emails at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the longbox crusade facebook or twitter page until next time take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to Read them all. Read them all. Read them all. Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. God, it only took us like 20 <laughs> episodes. Start to do.
songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Dark web up and running. Yep, I'm here. Oh, boy, how'd you get on? It's magic. Dark wow. web. <laughs> that, that is some dark web trickery there. I didn't even call you. If you, uh, you could do that. If you see the, the, uh, the, sh- the it's lo- the dark call. web, Jared, there's no other explanation. You, you guys all have your aliases too. Okay. Weasel skull and whatever. <laughs> so you, I, I, we got a fan on. We got a woo, fan. Woo, we found yeah. a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked him if he was going to be at the Rose City Comic Con this last September and he said he was not. I, I think he lied to you. I'm pretty sure he went to that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he didn't. My brother is generally full of. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he didn't want crazed fans attacking him or something. No, he's he's lonely. He would have been happy. <laughs> crazed fans. Crazed fans. <laughs> Jason, did you end up going to Rose City Comic Con? I went last year in September of like this past September. Yeah. So, he yeah, he's me. just full. Of <laughs> he's full. Of <laughs> lied to me. Yeah, Jay, my brother's full. Of what? You lied to a fan, a super fan. <laughs> what did I say? I, I asked you on uh, Facebook or Twitter, I can't remember what it was, if you were going to be at the Rose City Comic Con. You're like, no, not this year. <laughs> yeah, you didn't You didn't realize you'd have the jilted fan on this episode. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I was Jason Ulbrich? not to go, and it was like a last-minute change. That's what I'd say. Jason Ulbrich? This is your I'm sorry, I didn't... <laughs> I'm headed to Texas in April to go to Dallas Fan Days. Ah, say hey to all my exes. Let's <laughs> oh, <laughs> do that. Really? Y'all gave him that laugh. Really? Screw you, <laughs> Williams. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was funny. Don't sing it. Uh, 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm encouraging him. I know it. This is I, the I fuel I, I need to go on. I'm embarrassed for everybody. Just, ah. just. Delvin, don't mess with my Texas jokes. <laughs> Delvin, you need to remember the Alamo. <laughs> uh, they're getting worse. Oh. Well, if you do end up going to the con in Texas and they and you have any of like those big media stars, just remember that the stars at night are big and big and bright. bright. Yeah. <laughs> Deep in the heart of <laughs> and those prairie skies. They are wide and high. <laughs> Delvin, Texas joke, go. I've never lived in Texas, so Liar. You did too. I thought we all agreed we were gonna be on our best behavior. No, no, we did not agree. I think, that unfortunately, all. I think this is the, our these, best behavior. Yeah. But anyway, on, Kenny's we, restaurants, we have people right? on to see how long they actually want to stay on before they leave. Hello. Huey, did you um, listen to the, the Crusader Chronicles? Is that your last episode? Uh, no, it would have been. We did like 12 days of Crusademus. Oh, yeah. I, I got through most of them, yeah. Uh, most of them? Yeah, that, was Mike. that was Mike. <laughs> I have to ask a question. Like, I, I, I want to know why Huey and, and why Pat has to find people with like like really good podcasting sounding voices. Like, m- my voice is terrible. But Pat has this cool voice, and then Huey comes on with this broad, rich voice. Like I'm, I'm kind of jealous, and I, I don't. I, like it. <laughs> I don't think I have a good speaking voice. I firmly commit to the fact that I sound like a weasel from like a Roger Rabbit movie. So. Yeah. I don't well, think. I do too, but um, that's my name, so it's expected. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, you get away with it. <laughs> there are plenty of people who like have heard me talk and say, you don't sound Southern. And every time I hear myself talk, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? I sound really, really, really Southern to me yeah. in my head. And then when I hear it, like, wow. Ugh, that's, that's what I think when I talk, too. I, I sound Southern. <laughs> you don't your, sound Southern. Your Southern impression, which sounds like, like street jive or yeah. something. <laughs> Yeah, south of Canada. <laughs> Put it back on the rails for a minute. Rails? What are rails? Pat, there are no the, rails. Be the parent, Pat. You keep it in a notebook? What is yep. this, 1987? What are you, what are you N- Nicholas Sparks? <laughs> it took me a minute, but I got it. I, got I don't it. get it. He wrote the notebook. Oh. Yeah. It's about <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed you guys know that. Oh. Cut their mics. Those things sell for big like bucks old, on eBay. Old school uh, no. keepers? Yes. Yeah. Like if you've got like a Star oh, yeah, Wars yeah. or some or Ghostbusters or some crap, yeah, you're sitting on like a hundred to two hundred dollars depending on condition. What about my Rainbow you Bright one? Oh, Rainbow Bright. That's I mean it's an odd choice for a dude, but I'm not judging <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> That's what happens when you shop late, probably. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. We're doing a show. Okay. <laughs> what else do we got? Welcome back. Welcome back from that podcast promo. <laughs> Are you feeling irregular? <laughs> Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what I believe it is. Hey, this is Chalky White. It's a Maylox moment. I'm a problem solver. I'm a peacemaker. It's what I'm I do. More, I'm more like a problem eliminator. Yeah. Cool. And again, don't be afraid to you know jump in where you want. What? You tell me to shut up. Yeah. Well, he's probably <laughs> not going to talk as long as you are. That's true. He's probably <laughs> that's probably right. Well, I watched his show. He does. He talks, but they get it done in an hour. What? It's impossible. impossible. I've had green at the Costco cake for whatever reason. (laughs) Turned my poop green. Why are we talking about this? Adding the music and all that other crap. All all that magic. You do so well. Sparkle. Yours is really good. I gotta say. I I know I'm supposed to be making fun of you right now. You say my crap's uh, good. I gotta say that. Yeah, your crap's good, (laughs) man. I have a new website called (laughs) NakedAuroro.com. Yeah, Jason's raring to go. Yeah, let's do it, man. I'll, I'll do it in my Sean Connery voice. Whatever. I'll, I'm your monkey. I'll dance. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Make them feel it. Make them hear it. Make them believe it.